God will save through me. And so that is important that uh, we are able to come together and hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us, what the Word of God has to say to us. Amen. Together again. Made me think of the old song. <laughs> no, I won't sing tonight. We are together again. Just praising the Lord. And then we we, we have some of the old times they used to say, you know, we're together again. This could be our last time. I don't know. You don't know. And so we are here together again. Listen, um, we have a family member that's really hurting and um, they're uh, experiencing challenging times right now. Our the Phillips family, David Phillips, Sophia Phillips, um, experienced great loss this week. David lost his youngest brother. And so uh, we did post it among our leadership on WhatsApp, but we're encouraging everyone in the church to pray for the Phillips and uh, whatever you can do to let them feel the love from Christ in the church, their church family, you let them feel that love because we certainly do hurt with them and um, there's never words to explain or express uh, when people are, people are experiencing loss such as this. So keep the Phillips family in your prayer and um, we will support them and love them much as we can given the circumstances. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We want you to be involved. Some of you remember he alone is worthy. I'm sure Sister Hidea said he alone is worthy. Amen. Amen. I'm, ex I'm, I'm expecting Crystal to say it too. He alone is worthy. <laughs> if little IJ is not keeping her up, I'm hoping that she will she remember to say he alone is worthy. <laughs> Amen. So we welcome all of you to the live feed and to your church, Christ Center Church, and we hope that God will help all of us tonight in this church. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We'll go before the Lord in prayer tonight, and we're just going to ask you to pray along with us. We never do anything without prayer, and as you know, at the top of our prayer list, um, as always, prayer for our leaders, political leaders, and all types of leaders in this hour because, oh my God, they need the wisdom of God to make decisions, Amen. Uh, to keep us all safe, and to guide us all to safety. And so we need to pray for the leaders of our world, pray for godly wisdom, godly wisdom. And so we need to pray for that tonight. We need to pray for the strength of the church and pray that God will direct us and help us. We need to pray that in this time we don't lose our focus and uh, we will continue to be strong in the Lord and encourage one another. So let's pray for the church that we will come back together again physically as we like to uh, mention that in our prayers as well. But pray more than anything else that lost souls will be saved and that Amen. people will they will know Jesus the worst thing in the world for anybody is for them to leave this world not knowing Jesus 
That's the worst thing that can happen to anyone. Leaving this world not knowing Jesus. And so we need to pray that our world will get to know Jesus. Those that don't know him will get to know him. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're thankful and grateful that we can come together one more time as the church of the living God. Lord, we open our heart to you when we call upon your great name, your matchless name, your powerful name, your saving name, your healing name, your delivering name, that name of Jesus. And oh my God, we submit our thoughts, we submit our will to you, Lord God, because we want your thoughts to be our thoughts, and we want your will to be our will. Lord, we ask that you will forgive us of our sins, every sin we've committed against you. And Lord, we're, ask that, we're asking that you'll forgive us for our sins as a people, as a people, Lord God, that have sinned against you, that have not taken our responsibility serious as children of God and not taken on the responsibility of being good stewards over our society, Lord God. And we, we have sinned in such a, oh God, way that, Lord, only your mercy can bring us back. And we ask that you will be merciful. We ask, oh God, that you will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. For, Lord, we're praying that our faith fail us not in this hour. We're praying, Almighty God, that we will be strengthened in the faith like we've never been strengthened in the faith before. We're praying and asking, Lord God, that you will order our steps, Lord God, that you will guide us and lead us in the ways that we must go for God. We truly don't know which way to go. We truly don't know which way to take. But we've read in your word that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Lord, all you got to do is direct us. All you got to do is point us. And we will follow, Almighty God, because our hope is in you, my God. And without you, we have no hope. Without you, Lord God, we have no place to go. And so we ask tonight, Lord God, that you will guide us gently, that you will lead us so kindly like only you can, oh God. And Lord Jesus, that we will come out on the other side of this, Lord, with the church being, oh God, added and increased because of the favor of God, because of the goodness of God. I pray, Lord God, that our world, Lord God, will come to the knowledge and truth of who you are and respond in a resounding obedience, oh God, to the word of God and say yes to your will and do what your words say to do. For Lord, we believe we're living in the last and final hour and we pray in the name of Jesus that there will be a revival that will sweep through our world where all people who do not know you will come to know you. Where all people, oh God, will know who you are and Lord will have this opportunity to spend eternity with you. Lord, we pray for our leaders, oh God, that Lord, you will impart to them your wisdom, not their wisdom. Their wisdom will not work, Lord God, but we pray the wisdom of God upon our leaders. That, Lord Jesus, you will give them understanding and give them guidance that every decision that they make for your people, it will be a decision that will influence by your thoughts, influenced by you, Lord God. 
And so we ask, Lord Jesus, that you will move on our leaders and that they will make the right decisions for the people of God all across this nation and this world. Lord, I pray that you'll move in a special way in our Bible study tonight, Lord God. I pray that faith will increase. I pray that homes will be blessed tonight. I pray, Almighty God, that the people of God will rise up tonight and go to a new dimension in you, Lord God. And the people of faith, Lord God, will see like they've never seen before. Will take hold of eternal life, Almighty God, and go forth in you like they've never gone forth. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the Holy Ghost will begin to stir and move upon the people of God. That we will begin to do what the Spirit is saying unto us, Almighty God. Lord, have your way, will you, tonight? Lord, will you move on us, your people? And oh my God, will you grant us your favor like never, ever before? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We give you honor and praise for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. church international we have great leadership within our organization i'm glad i'm a part of this organization i'm telling you a lot of people a lot of pastors are trying to do their best in this hour and um god bless them and we pray for them and thank god for them but my goodness we have some great leadership in the united pentecostal church and they're so proactive they're not reactive they're proactive and they're moving things forward as we do the will of God, and I'm, I just appreciate the leadership of the United Pentecostal Church and the National, because we belong to a great organization. I thank God for this organization. Amen. Don't forget to give feedback with um, during the live stream here. Give feedback. Let us know what you think about um, the Word of God, and if you have any concerns, feedbacks. We love if. Um, if you have any comments, we love comments, just as long as they're good comments. Don't give bad comments. <laughs> Amen. Somebody says, it's the word time. It's the word time. Amen. Somebody said it right. Time for the word. Amen. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse number 5. We'll read 5 through 9, and then we'll pick up in 17. Through 18. Amen. Let me mention one more thing before I get into the word of the Lord. Um, try your best to keep your routine in these challenging times. Um, if, you, if you allow the situation to get you out of your routine, you can become sluggish and feel like you're not accomplishing anything and be off your game a little bit. So try your best to keep your routine. If you're working from home, still wake up, do your thing. 
Uh, don't try to sleep in, but just wake up and go through what you normally do and getting ready to go to work and all that stuff. And uh, make your coffee at home and uh, prepare yourself um, so you are able to just go through the day feeling like you're still having a normal day. The more you sit around and not go through your normal day, the more you will feel sluggish. So do that. Here's a, also a great thought. Um, for those of you that homeschool, my goodness, I know you're smiling saying, I've been doing this for years, so, you know, I'm not really bothered by what's going on with the kids being at home. And so kudos to the moms and um, even dads that does homeschooling because at this point, um, the kids being home is not a big deal to you. And um, we can learn some some stuff from you because I'm sure you were able to teach your children a lot about Jesus while you taught them secular information that they needed. And so um, we, need, we need to make sure as we're homeschooling our children now, because that's what we're really doing. We're homeschooling our children, even though they have their computers and they have all the different things that they're doing. We, 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 we do our best to kind of you know, let them operate on their own. But at the same time, um, we are monitoring and helping. So um, make sure you get some Jesus in there as you're homeschooling, as you're guiding your Amen. children. Make sure there's some Jesus in there. Don't let them just do book work and they never get to learn about the Word of God. Those are important things. And so this is a, a, an opportunity that will come out of this. I'm sure there are people moving forward that might decide, I'm going to homeschool my kids. So uh, some good can come out of this. Even as terrible as this situation is. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5. The word of the Lord says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowl of the air, for it repented me that I made man. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Jump down to verse number 17, and the word of the Lord says, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come in, thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives, with thee. Amen. Amen. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to talk to you tonight. We're going to talk about this subject for the next few weeks on finding favor with God. Amen. Finding favor with God. And so we're going to look into what the scripture is saying about the favor that Noah found with God. Come on. 
the steward, the stewards of this planet, humankind, have forgotten the covenant with their creator. In their villages and towns, men secretly plot how to steal their neighbor's possession. When an argument occurs, it quickly escalates to violence. And if a show of force is not enough, murder is always the next option. Basics rights are taken for granted. Few feel safe and children are abandoned or abused. Selfish aggression is present everywhere. Somebody say amen. Amen. I tell you, I feel strongly about that, that we have to look into our life and whatever we do, we have to sometimes say, how can I say what I'm doing is not selfish? Because most of what we do, selfish. Mm-hmm. And if it might seem like a small thing at some point, but if we start doing things a little bit, they will become bigger. And so we have to work on making sure what we do is not about our selfish desires. Selfish aggression is present everywhere. Everyone's thought are continually bent towards evil. It seems this beautiful planet irreversibly broken, damaged, beyond repair. Grieved by humanity's lack of remorse, God decides to destroy earth and start over. Yet one more look reveal a lone bright spot in a land covered by spiritual darkness. One man remained faithful. And I wanted to say something about that because I believe that someone that's not of the faith might not understand this. They might think that is an exaggeration. How can God spare the world or how can God make plans just because of one man? Uh, and, And sometimes that That's kind of what gives us, unfortunately, we think that the crowd is always right. And so what we tend to do is follow the crowd. Mm -hmm. And so we would never believe the least of them are the ones that are right, and the majority of them are the ones that's wrong. We have a hard time accepting that. But I'm telling you, in life, the majority is usually wrong. The Bible proves that. Majority are usually wrong. Minority are usually right. So it's what few of us are doing, not what all of us are doing. And I'm telling you right now, God made a way for one man. But looking through scriptures, I can see where God's ways continue to be who he is. Because some of us remember the scripture in Genesis chapter 18. Uh, I'll pick up in verse 32 in a second here, where some of us believe that Abraham negotiated with God. Mm-hmm. And since I've done some study studies about that, uh, I want to—I don't want to burst some of your bubble, but Abraham didn't really negotiate with God because God don't need to negotiate with anybody because God knows everything, but we don't know everything. Right. So why would God negotiate with someone that doesn't know? Everything, but he knows everything. Now, what God did do, he appeased Abraham for a minute and says, 
Go ahead. Say what you're going to say. And Abraham says, what if there's 50 righteous? And that's where the number started. And so God knew where he was going. So God appeased him. He didn't negotiate with God. God appeased him to go ahead and say his whole thing. Till we get to verse 32 in Genesis 18. And the scripture says. <coughs> and he said. Oh let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure. Ten shall be found there. And he says. I will not destroy it. For ten sake. And so God told. Abraham, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if ten be righteous. Right. Now remember, he started at 50. But the Lord already knew what the story was. So the Lord appeased him. And so we know what happened. That Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed and 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 and, and Lot made it out. And Lot's wife, well, she made it out part way. But she turned around and became a pillar of salt. And then Lot, two daughters. Here is something common that we will learn about God. God keeps his word, but he still makes a way for you and me. That's what's called unmerited favor or grace of God. Because God could have destroyed the earth then when Noah was back then. Amen. He could have destroyed the earth then and said, I'm not making a way of escape. Don't make an ark. I'm not worried about that because you and all of them got to go. But God will not let any one person pay for another person's wrong. If you do right and somebody else did wrong, God will hold you up because you did right. Amen. Amen. And so God's ways of Showing us that he will do what he has to do for just one of us. If we do right, he will do what he has to do for just one of us. God is interested in every one of us. Not just some of us. But we must obey him and obey his plan for our life if we want to experience that favor from him. As an evil, as evil as humans were and still are today, one man, Noah, continued to walk in close relationship with God. If Noah was able to walk in close relationship with Almighty God back then without the Holy Ghost, listen to me church. If Noah was able to walk that closely in a relationship with God back then without the Holy Ghost. How much more should we walk close together with God Amen. with the Holy Ghost? Amen. Amen. You know, I wonder if we're making the best use of all the opportunities God has given us. I think if you ask us, we might think that we are. Come on. But if no one walked that closely with God without the Holy Ghost, and we have the Holy Ghost, God living in us, why aren't we that much closer to God? Why aren't we that much tighter with God? Because we have God living in us. Amen. Mm, something to think about. So I'm wondering if way back then what the difference was between them and us is they they just used their resource to the maximum capacity. They, 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 they drained everything out of what little resources they have and they made the best of it. But here today we have so much that we, we, we just used just enough. I don't know. It's something to think about. Because for Noah to have that kind of relationship with God without the Holy Ghost, I'm thinking, man, I need to have a real better relationship with God than Noah did. Right. I'm just saying. 
I'm just saying. Nothing against my man Noah. I love Noah. And I'll see him when I get to heaven. But the bottom line is, I have the Holy Ghost. And he doesn't. But boy, oh boy, it seemed like he talked to God a lot. And he was close and tight with God. Till the point where God started telling him stuff. Mm. My Lord. Noah had chosen to live differently. And for this reason, God showed him favor and enact a rescue plan through Noah. God found such favor, Noah found such favor in God that God says, I'm going to enact the plan of salvation through you. The plan of salvation for you and your family will come through you because you've always walked with me. It seems Noah was living in a rapidly growing human society. Unfortunately, it did not take many generations before humanity grew corrupt and God regretted. Uh, maybe change that word a little bit and says, and God was sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, repented. making the, the word said repented, but God don't repent because He never did anything wrong. So we, that word repent don't really mean repented. It means that He was sorry okay. that He had made human because of how human had corrupted themselves. He was sorry about it. As a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> I don't want to go too far off my subject tonight, but part of Calvary, we like to say. Oh, you know, Calvary, um, it's the love of God. Part of it is the love of God, but part of it was the justice of God. Amen. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to hear that, but a lot of, part of Calvary was God taking responsibility for us because he created us and we made a mess. So he is taking responsibility because he's saying his children messed up. His creation messed up. So part of Calvary, yes, is the love of God, but part of it is also the justice of God. Making things right that went wrong because of him bringing us into existence. So part of Calvary is the justice of God. It's, it's not just the love of God, but it's the justice of God. And we got to remember that. It's not just, oh, God loves us so much. Yeah, he loves us. But he also was going to make right something that went wrong. While the rest of humanity was continually bent toward evil, he lived in contrast to the world around him and walked with God. Noah's life teaches us the important lesson that living righteous requires a close relationship with God. So we're not going to be able to be righteous without having a close relationship with God. And a lot of closeness of relationship with God comes from your private time with God. How much do you read his word? How much do you talk to him in prayer just by yourself having a conversation with God? How much do you do that? How much do you study his word? How many questions do you ask him and wait for his answer? We got to find out how Noah got so close to God if we plan to get close to him as well. Amen. Noah learned how to live righteously by talking with God continuously. This was an era, check it out, when Noah was talking to God, having fellowship with God. This was the era that was predated, that predated the law by hundreds of years. So there were no set written religious rules to follow. Noah didn't have the Bible. He didn't have scripture like us to turn to and and look through it. Now, maybe that's why God spoke to him as much because he didn't have a lot of reference points. And God don't have to speak to us as much because we have a lot of reference points. That, 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 that makes sense. But still, you know, 
make, make what you will out of that. Secondly, the fact that God confided in Noah concerning his regret at making humanity tells us Noah enjoyed a special relationship with God. Mm. Scripture does not give us detail about his relationship, but it was close enough that God was willing to share with Noah his disappointment. This is not the kind of information that is disclosed to an, a, to a, to an, acquaintance, an acquaintance or a casual friend. Sharing a deep hurt is something only we only do with people we trust. Amen. People we feel, understand, and relate. We can assume that since God was grieved at the state of the world and shared this with Noah, Noah was saddened as well. Right. Just think about this. For what God shared with Noah, you know they had to have a tight relationship. God counseled with himself is what the Bible says. But at this point, when he was going to destroy the earth, he said, you know what? I got I, 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 I to gotta talk to Noah about this. And he shared with Noah his, his deepest concerns and, and plans of what he was going to do. And so that tells you that they had to have a fairly decent relationship. Not decent, but fairly good, tight relationship for him to share what he shared with Noah. Listen to me. Another biblical example of right of a righteous man uh, grieved by the world around him was Daniel the prophet. As a young man in the royal court of Jerusalem, Daniel became a political prisoner of war and was taken more than 1,600 miles from his home into a land of Babylon. Forced to endure a name change, a pagan religious education, and then a lifetime of service in a foreign royal palace. Daniel was constantly surrounded by wickedness. To make matters worse, Daniel recognized these difficult conditions are the well-earned judgment of God for Jerusalem's lengthy Rebellion against God. Yet in all of this, Daniel maintained his relationship with God, kept a humble attitude, grieved for his nation's sin, and continued to, re to pray and repent, asking God, God, will you save Jerusalem? God, will you save our people? I think that's probably one of the best ways to approach uh, God right now with this Corona situation is we all go to God. Let's not tell God what to do Amen. because God knows what he's doing. Right. He's got everything under control. Amen. But I think if we can go to him and say, God, however this came about, we messed up. However this came about, we mistreated this, this planet that you have given us. We, we mistreated everything around us. We, we, we have rebelled against you. We haven't done what we were supposed to. Will you be merciful? Will you forgive us of our sins? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, oh, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, then when I hear, I believe that all we got, the main thing God wants to hear from us is that we messed up. Yeah. 
and we want to change, and we want to be delivered, and we want to do the right thing. I believe that's the greatest thing that God can hear from any one of us. God, we messed up. God, we, we did some wrong things. We ruined our society. We ruined our world. But God, will you not give up on us because we want to make it right? Amen. I believe if we go to God and pray like that, I believe God will begin to move on our behalf. Yes. But if we want to go and tell God what we think he needs to do, I don't believe we're going to hear anything from the Lord. Amen. On multiple occasions, God gave Daniel clear direction because of their close relationship. Mm-hmm. And Daniel continued his lifestyle of righteousness. Like Noah and Daniel, we must learn to walk in close fellowship with God. These men did not build a relationship with God overnight. They built it through years of communication. It takes a lifetime to build an intimate relationship with a spouse. So why should we expect anything less when developing a relationship with God? We are blessed to have God's word and Examples like Noah and Daniel to guide and teach us about righteousness. Mm -hmm. But in addition, we should be close enough to God that the Holy Ghost living inside of us will direct our path. The second lesson of the story of Noah teaches us in, in, in that living righteous will cause us to stand out in an unrighteous world. Oh, my God. Living righteous will cause us to stand out in an unrighteous world. That's good. good. The contrast between Noah and those around him was radical. Mm -hmm. It wasn't subtle. It was radical. But Noah was okay with it. Noah realized that it's all right. As long as I am righteous... And I live to please my God. I don't care how the outside world sees me. I don't care how anybody else sees me. As long as I am in right relationship with God, it doesn't matter how anyone else sees me. And we have to realize that living righteously will cause us to stand out in an unrighteous world. Church, I cannot say this enough. We live to always fit in. I don't understand how we can say we're a part of the church and we feel obligated to fit in with the world. I'm sorry. I have to tell you that we can't try to fit in with all of society and feel like we are pleasing God. Noah did not satisfy the world. As a matter of fact, he was mocked. Old crazy man. Talk about it's going to rain. So when you're going to live righteously, if you are living righteously, people are going to kind of size you up and talk about you and they will treat you a certain way because that's what comes with being righteous in an unrighteous world. Amen. For at least 500 years, Noah watched the world around him become more and more sinful. As the world grew darker, The contrast between Noah and his peers became even greater. The witness of his consistent character served as judgment not only in his time. Listen to me. His character did not just serve as judgment in his time, 
but also to future generations. The prophet Ezekiel spoke against the wicked nations of his day and declared that even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were present, only they would be saved. Later, the apostle Peter described Noah as a preacher of righteousness. Amen. Whether Noah literally preached to his generation or simply lived out his righteousness, both Ezekiel and Peter used Noah as a witness of godly character. Right. Mm -mm -mm. If we're going to find favor with God, we're going to have to really live like Noah did. Amen. We need some Noahs to raise up in this hour. Come on. Especially this day and age. We're, in, we're stuck in the house. Hey, this is a good time to become a Noah. It's a good time for all the Noahs to rise up. Amen. You don't have to be a male to be a Noah. You can be a female Noah. Amen. Just raise up and be righteous. Raise up and say, I'm going to leave my home in a righteous way. Raise up and say, my home will serve the Lord. And that's how you can be a Noah. That's right. Right, right. Unfortunately, Noah's generation did not listen. And their destruction came surprisingly and sudden. Speaking to the disciples about unexpectedness. Of his coming, or his second coming, Jesus also used the contrast of Noah's witness against the unrighteous world he lived in. In Matthew 24, verse 37 through 39, in the NET version, For just like the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, People were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing until the flood came and took them all away. Mm -hmm. It will be the same at the coming of the Son of Man. We're not going to understand how this all is going to work when Jesus returned. For some reason, I think that we lie to ourselves sometimes. I think sometimes we, we deceive ourselves. And in, in, in our mind, we're probably saying, you know, there will be some kind of sign. There, I got to be honest with you. I believe that when the Lord return and take his church, I believe that we're going to not even realize it. We're not even going to be asking the question until it's probably some hours later or maybe a day later. We're not even going to be asking the question about you think Jesus came back? We always talk about that. We laugh about that, thinking that we're going to realize that Jesus came back. I think we're going to be so caught up in our ways and doing what we want that we're not even going to realize that Jesus came back. And then my maybe God. some hours later, we're going to say, hey, you think this, that was the rapture? And by the time you figure it out, that's what it is. Too late. My God. Returning to the example of Daniel, arguably the most famous part of his story is his experience in the lion's den. That's in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel served God in a foreign land through at least three rulers and two different political kingdoms. And Daniel's righteous character made him stand out among his peers. Now, as an old man, many scholars believe Daniel was at least 80 years old. He gained much favor so that King Darius considered putting him in charge of the entire kingdom. That's Daniel 6 and 3. Blinded by jealousy, the other officials 
tried to discredit Daniel, but they could not find anything of which to accuse them of. Through deception, they finagled a new law to threaten Daniel's prayer time, with the consequences being a violent execution as a meal for a pride of lions. <laughs> Officials who set the trap fully expected Daniel to continue praying, which only further attested to his character. After spending nights, or after spending a night with some of the hungry lions, Daniel was miraculously saved by God, and the, the, the wicked officials were killed in his place. Like Noah, Daniel, righteous and faithful, righteousness and faithfulness brought about his deliverance. And so, we're seeing a lot going on here, and probably I'm not doing enough justice to this topic tonight, because there's so much that can, can, can really get into it. There's so much that we can do to get into it, but I mentioned here that righteousness and faithfulness brought about his deliverance. And so that's probably something we need to think about as we serve God. Are we righteous and are we faithful? Are we righteous and are we faithful? Because righteousness and faithfulness is what delivered Noah. Righteousness and faithfulness is what delivered Daniel. And so I believe if we can become righteous and we can become faithful, then I believe that we will be able to deliver ourselves and deliver our family. Hmm. The third lesson we learned from Noah is that when you live righteously, God will share his plans with you. Amen. Remember I told you a long time ago, God shares his plans with his friends. Amen. The reason why sometimes we don't know, we might not be as close as, to, right. as, close to God as we think. You know, huh, God is a good God. Yeah. Amen. In so many ways it's so good. I was thinking today that I try to fix up vacation this year. There's nothing worked out. I was working at it. I'm just like, yeah, I want to do this. And it just never worked out. I never spent any money on vacation. It um, never got real deep into anything. And so I'm, I laugh about that. But one of the, the, the most uh, funny uh, thing about uh, this year is I said to the church when we were doing our church calendar, I said, I'm not going to bring in any pre preachers this year. I don't know if you all remember that. But I said, I'm not really bringing in any preacher this year. And so we didn't have any really preacher scheduled this year. And so it's interesting how I had no clue about nothing, but God has a way of how he ordered his Amen. church and what he does through his people. You don't have to know what he's doing, but he will just put a thought in your heart as to what he wants from you. Amen. And for some reason, we don't have any preacher scheduled this year. I mean, we probably will end up sending a preacher a love offering someplace because the evangelists, they're struggling right now because they can't get anywhere to preach. So we'll send somebody a love offering because we want to be a blessing. Amen. But we didn't have anybody coming in. We just didn't. We didn't schedule anybody. We didn't bring anybody from overseas. We didn't bring anybody from local. We just didn't. And, you know, God knows what he's doing. And we can't take credit for it. God knows what Amen. he's doing. That's right. <laughs> Scripture does not tell us what Noah's occupation was before the flood. But it is, it, it is certainly, his occupation certainly was not an art. Builder, his occupation certainly was not an art builder, and so God shared with Noah the coming 
destruction and the way Noah's family would escape the terrible circumstances that were coming. That conversation changed Noah's life forever. In a moment, all his plans were rearranged. If he had any short-term goals, they quickly changed to gathering materials. If he had any long-term goals, they were now consumed by the new family business of boat building. Come on. Families, we need to grab a hold into the, the God that, 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 that create all things. Our God, Almighty God, Jesus Christ. We need to let Him speak to us concerning His plan. And that's the plan we need to talk to our family about and lead our family towards. Because guess what? We might not be art builders or whatever God is asking us to do. But if we will do what he tells us, we will accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. Amen. Mm. Amen. That's good. They were consumed with the new, with the new family business. Building boats. Living a righteous life will produce unexpected consequences, but not all consequences are bad. For Noah, the consequence of his lifestyle led to the salvation of his family. God did not ask Noah if he wanted to become a boat builder. God simply redirected Noah's path. God did not ask Noah for his opinion or his permission to disrupt his life. Mm -hmm. But God instructed Noah, just build the ark. Life gained a new perspective for Noah. It was probably inconvenient. It was costly. But oh, the outcome of what transpired. Mm. We don't really realize that when God or when we enter into a relationship with God, life is not the same anymore. And I know a lot of people want it to be the same. It's not. <coughs> it's not the same anymore. And so the bottom line is, we have to say, I'm in a relationship with God, and I trust Him, and whatever He wants, that's what I'm going to do. Right. Because you don't know what He's going to ask, you don't know what He's going to direct you to do, but you know everything that He tells you is going to be perfect. Amen. When we choose to live righteously, we are also making a choice to let God disrupt our plans. Now, I can clearly say that's probably why we struggle with being righteous. Because when we choose to live, and that word choose is, is very appropriate, when we choose to live righteously, we are also making a choice to let God disrupt our plans. Amen. And so often, let me mess with you now, church, so often people, stuff happen in your life, and you say, ah, I just can't go to church today. Okay. That's you saying, I'm not letting God interfere with my plans. Right. you got to understand that. God has designed for you to assemble together with the body of believers. And so, if you let anything get in your way to prevent you from doing that, except 
for you going to touch somebody's life, going to minister to them, or going to, you know, whatever it is to do something godly, except it be for that, then what you're saying is, God, I'm sorry, you can't interrupt what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. we got to be careful of that. When God gives us new direction, we must be prepared to respond and change direction. Often, what God asks us to do will be disruptive to our current agenda. And it may not make sense to us at the time. What we can be assured of is that no matter what God asks us to do, no matter how ridiculous it seems, if we do what we are asked, it will work to our benefit. Somebody say amen. Amen. When we allow God to change our plans, it not only benefits us, but it often blesses others. Amen. I'm closing here. We all owe a debt to Noah. Come on. We like to blame Adam that today we're struggling with certain things and certain lifestyle because of Adam. And we like to blame Adam and that's cool. But we all owe a debt to Noah. Not only did Noah's favor with God bring about the salvation of his family, but it also preserved all human life. In one sense, the righteousness of Noah became the conduit for the salvation of all humanity. Noah did not walk with God thinking one day, God is going to use me to save the world. It was an unexpected consequence. You don't know how God will work in your life when God calls you to do something. You don't know what's going to happen. It might seem very minimal. It, it might not seem important. But the things that God calls us to do, all we need to do is just abide by what God says and do what he says because we will be amazed when we see the outcome of what will happen when we do what God says. Right. Likewise, we do not know what will happen when we walk with God and let Him adjust our schedules. We can plan for tomorrow, but we cannot see what lies ahead. Our daily agenda should be held lightly with understanding that is subject to God's change. So whatever schedule you have, whatever agenda you have, you need to make your schedule. You need to make your agendas. But you need to say, I'm trying to be like Noah. And because I'm trying to be like Noah, I'm always going to leave the the opportunity in my schedule for God to disrupt and do whatever he wants to do. Because he is the one that's significant in my life. Our daily agenda should not be held. Our daily agenda should be held lightly. Lightly with the understanding that it is subject to God's change. Who knows? Tomorrow's interrupted schedule may not just benefit you. It might lead to the salvation of someone else. Amen. Finding favor with God. The way you find favor with God is to be righteous and to be faithful. Mm -hmm. When you're righteous 
and you're faithful, you will find favor with God. Amen. And so I want you to think about that as we go through the remainder of the week, that no matter what's going on, don't allow your binge watching of whatever you're binge watching on Netflix or whatever. Don't let that stuff get more of your mind than the word of God get more of your mind. Amen. So make sure you are righteous and faithful, just obeying God's word and being faithful and diligent over God's word and in your stewardship towards him and your submission towards him and living for him. This is a good time to strengthen our relationship with God. Amen. Church, I got to tell you the truth. I feel like just this time, it's not like it's been any different in my mind, but it's more clear to me than ever that, you know what? Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters like our life. <laughs> the Bible says, the Bible says, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Amen. And we know that God has always valued right. a person's life Amen. more valuable right. than all the riches of this world. And we Amen. overlook that so often times. Sure. And now what are we struggling to prevent? From us dying. That's what we're struggling to prevent. But why don't we know that always. That the greatest asset we possess is yes. life. And if we will trust in God. And walk with God. And obey God. And be faithful to God. We won't have to worry about anything. Amen. Come on. Come on. I feel like this whole coronavirus thing. Has made such an impact on me. That it, it's just so so much easier to see my way clearly and in, in, in just, just in my walk with Christ. It's so clear. No matter what comes up, you just got to look at it and say, it really doesn't matter. No matter what you see along the way as you travel your journey in Christ, all you want to do is look and say, hey, it doesn't really matter. Hey, it doesn't really matter. Because no matter what we pretend, we're pretending in a lot of things. No matter how we pretend, all of it is baseless. If we don't have Christ, if we don't have our life, that's right. what I'm concerned about is we're worried about this physical life and we're not worried about eternal life. Amen. Come on. I'm worried about that part. We're worried about this physical life and we're not worried about eternal life. But I want you to keep the faith. I want you to be righteous and be faithful so you can find favor with God because that's how we're going to find favor with God is by being righteous and being faithful. And if we will be righteous and we will be faithful, like Noah, like Daniel, if we will be righteous and we will be faithful, we will see at the end the great benefit of what we can reap and what we can produce right. because Noah has shown us that. Daniel has shown us that. And so many others that we've read about in Scripture have shown us that. And so we just have to keep on going, being righteous, and being faithful, because that's how we're going to find favor Amen. with God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. Church, stay strong, the Lord. Thank you for tuning in. I love you. Keep on loving one another. Keep sending text messages to one another. Don't forget, if you want to give online, give online, or you want to mail it in, mail it in. I mean... 
You guys have been so awesome and so wonderful. Amen. I mean, keep on sending in your offering because that's how we're going to be sustained. As a matter of fact, if you know anybody that's in serious need, share it with us and we will figure out how we can help out those that are part of our congregation Amen. that we know are in serious need. If you know that's there, let us know and see how we can help one another. But that's what the church is called to do. So let's do that. But let's stay in touch. Keep giving, keep supporting, and God will see us through this, and we'll come out on the other side. We'll be doing all right, because God is faithful. Amen. Somebody say amen. 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 Don't forget, this Saturday at 6.30 um, is our prayer meeting, and so we'll be here from 6.30 to 7, prayer meeting, and then we'll get back with you Sunday morning. God bless you. Love you so much. And 